Welcome to Ship It, a podcast about ops, infrastructure, and an engine from the future. While many of you can finally use Dagger to run your CI/CD pipelines locally without needing to commit and push, I encourage you to go beyond that. Dagger can be used as a makefile alternative, which resonates with me. But go further, and your perspective on documentation and automation may start shifting. I know that mine has. I believe that this is the Docker moment of CI/CD. Launching Dagger has been one of my professional highlights, and I'm really pleased to be joined today by all four founders: Andrea, Eric, Sam, and Solomon. While you may remember Sam and Solomon from episode 23, this time we assembled all four superheroes in this story and went deeper, covering nearly three years of refinements, the launch, aka shipping it, as well as the world-class team and community that is coming together to solve the next problem of shipping software. Container images and Kubernetes are great steps in the right direction, but now it's time for the next leap into the future. Huge thanks to Fastly for shipping our episodes super fast all around the world. Check them out at fastly.com. Hey friends, this episode is brought to you by NetFoundry, the creator of OpenZD. OpenZD is the only open source way to embed zero trust networking into your app. This gives you unprecedented control and security. Give your app superpowers using an OpenZD SDK and a few lines of code, or use their tunnelers to spin up zero trust networking in minutes across any cloud or device. Never face the horrors of VPNs, DNS, inbound ports, or complex firewall rules. No networking engineering skills are needed. OpenZD is trusted by developers at Microsoft, Oracle, Ramco, and more. And if you don't want to host your own OpenZD, use the NetFoundry SaaS, which includes free forever tiers for up to 10 endpoints, so you can test things out for yourself at NetFoundry.io/changelog to learn more and get started. Again, NetFoundry.io/changelog. So this is a story about launching Dagger, and it doesn't often happen that I'm part of a group and part of a company that excites me and thrills me as much as Dagger has. It's been the biggest launch for me. It's been one of the best experiences ever, and this has been weeks and weeks. And I think it's going. Surely it's going to die down. Surely something is like you know going to happen, and I won't feel as great again. Then we find another level, and it's been like this for months. Like the adrenaline, I don't think I can take it anymore. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> today we are joined by all four Dagger founders. I'll start in alphabetical order: Andrea, Eric, Sam, and Solomon. It's so great to have you on Shipit. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we are all here to tell about the story about shipping Dagger into space, and there will be a diagram in the show notes which shows why I say that—the vertical bar. That was an amazing screenshot. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go straight into it. What did the Dagger launch mean for you? And anyone can take it away. What did it represent? Because it's so much more than just putting Dagger out there. Who would like to start? I'm just glad we finally launched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's done. Finished. Finally. <laughs> Why do you say it's? You're, you're glad it's finally finished. It's finally launched. We just worked on it for a long time, you know, and it, we had our system where we we had people testing it privately, etc. But it just it's different when everyone can see it and you're out there in the world. So it was scary, and we were not finished. But you know, now that it's done, we get to keep doing it in the open, keep improving the product in the open, and it feels great. Sam, you were saying something earlier. Yeah, I think for for me, I mean, it's just just related to what Solomon said. It's something that we we've thought about and we worked on. We've been working on for for a long time, and so on one side, it's the result of of a lot of work and a lot of experiments and a lot of you know asking a lot of uh, questions to to people out there trying to find a, the the best possible thing we we could bring them. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, it's the beginning of of everything. <laughs> so it's not exactly a result; it's basically the the first milestone. So the rest needs to needs to happen. Yeah. So when you say a lot of work, Andrea, 
you understand it so, so well. What did that mean for your lot of work? Can you quantify it for us? It's been a long time in the making. You know, we had, back in the day, we had an Alpha 1, Alpha 2, then to Beta, then back to Alpha. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then Beta again, and finally the public launch. It's been a few years doing that, but we learned a lot. We did many iterations. We we did at least, you know, two, three private launches uh, until, you know, we got it right. Mm-hmm. And so we're finally happy to be publicly launched. And, and as Sam said, it's only the beginning, but it feels great to get, you know, external feedback. And, you know, it's not just us anymore. It's, it's a lot of people and inbound feedback on, you know, what we should be doing next, which is great. Yeah. Eric, I know that you want to say something. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Technically, um, I'm not an engineer. And in, uh, realistically, I'm not either. <laughs> I'm just a finance. So uh, I've, I've seen this launch, like, you know, the beginning of, uh, of Dagger uh, and with this, uh, all this excitement that I've seen before in the past, like in 2013, when uh, we did Pivoted at uh, Docker. So same thing. I think that's something that many don't know, that this started, this, I don't want to say like idea, but the whole excitement that the world has been on with containers, has started with Docker, and you have been part of that. So when Docker launched, you were there and you have that experience. And now Dagger launched. I'm curious, how do the two compare? How is this launch different from the Docker launch? It feels like a refined version to me. You know, I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about our experience at .cloud and, and Docker since it was, you know, we were .cloud and then we pivoted to being Docker. And we went through both of those things. We went through the launch of Docker, but before that, we went through the long period before launching Docker, where we were already working on Docker, but we didn't know it yet. So we, we I mean, first me, for me, it was the defining experience in my career. You know, we, we just, we talked about a lot, what would we do different? And, oh, that worked really well. Let's do it again, even better, you know, basically one or the other. So it's, it's definitely has echoes, but, um, you know, it's cool to get a second chance at, at uh, getting it better the second time. So... And, and you wonder kind of, okay, well, how much of all that was luck? I guess we'll find out. <laughs> There's that element of like, we don't know what happens, even if, if you've done something similar before. So similar people with all this experience, doing it all over again in a new setting. The world is very different today than it was in 2013. So we still don't know, right? And you still don't know. You're like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to put this out in the world and see what happens. I'm going to work on this idea for a couple of years. And I think that's what, again, something that a lot of people miss. This has been refined and there have been like mini launches and mini like shipping this for a long, long time until the point came when Solomon said, I'm so glad it's finally out there. (laughs) This has been like in the making for a long, long time. Okay. So now, now that, now that Dagger is out, what happens next? (laughs) Is it done? <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, as, as I was saying before, it's just the beginning. So, you know, there is a, a long list of things that we're going to discuss actually within the community in terms of improvements. One quick note about um, your previous question about how different it was at Docker. I think an interesting thing, and it's related to your, your question right now, just <laughs> you, you see. We started to do a lot of experiments and do a couple of releases in the in a private community. So we started to do experiments, um, a lot of things, and getting feedback and helping users already before uh, opening the, the repo publicly. And I think that was a big difference with Docker. I think that helped us figuring out what, what matters the most for, for users. And now we need to do that more, but with more people. And so we need to prioritize. We need to, to work on the right thing. We need to make it inclusive enough so everybody can participate from the community. So there is some some work that we, we've done together, all together here, to make it uh, easier for people to contribute. So that that's that's very important. Yeah, that's something we got that was really fun in the early days of Docker. It was it was very welcoming and open source a lot of times is not welcoming. You know, it's intimidating. Uh, you feel like, oh that's it's a scene, you know, I'm not part of that scene. Even if you're an experienced engineer sometimes, but it's even worse for beginners. You kind of, it's scary, you know. Mm -hmm. I like that we're, you know, we're making an effort to be welcoming to everyone, even if it's your very first open source contribution ever. I think a lot of people made their first open source contribution in the early days of Docker, you know. And um, that was deliberate. Like, it took a lot of work to make it that way. And we have the benefit of that experience. And then 
you know, then it became different. It was larger, more serious, also more contentious because, you know, standardization started taking place and you had businesses arguing over who was going to make money with it instead of individuals just having fun together. And that still happened, you know, but it was kind of overshadowed. And so this time, you know, we get to do the same thing, but try to keep the focus on that. I think a lot of people are going to make their first contributions on on Dagger. That would be really nice. That would make me happy. We have seen a lot coming already. Like it's only been a couple of days and we've already seen so many great contributions. And it's not just code. It's people just showing up, coming to say hi, talking to us, asking questions like, how does this even work? Like, it sounds interesting. I want to know more. Can you help? And then people starting to talk amongst themselves on Discord or, you know, on GitHub issues. I mean, that's so great to see. How do you do that? I mean, that sounds like almost like secret sauce. Is there a secret ingredient to that? How do you make that happen? That sounds so important. I think, I think we got this question a couple of times, actually, right? Like, uh, I remember the, the days at Docker after the... Don't tell them the secret ingredient. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. That's, that's the, you know, that was, that was pretty much the conversation, you know, like, uh, what's, what's the secret? You know, like, oh, we have this product. We need to bootstrap an open source community. How do you do? You know, what's the recipe? What are the three steps you can follow to bootstrap an open source community, you know? And there is no simple answer. There is no, there, there is no secret sauce. I think it starts with, a, I mean, a couple of opinions, but it, honestly, it's, it's not worth much because it's very, I don't think there is a recipe, but I think it should start with a product that people need. <laughs> you know, that's the basics. Yeah. And then building this product in a way that can welcome contributions so open source is not just making the code available out there. Open source is really building the product, talking about design discussions, arguing about GitHub issues or anything. Like all of that happening in the open. And most, I would say most companies that I, I've seen in the past asking these questions while we were at, at uh, Docker was, was really the, this mindset of, of a closed source product on one side. And a small, tiny project on the side saying, oh, yeah, that's, that's our open source community. And the way we, we started to work from the beginning with the Dagger team and the community was, was blended together. Mm-hmm. And this is what I think helps bootstrapping an open source community and, and, and showing to people that they, their opinions and the work that they do matter a lot because we, we're not faking it. This is how we work. We do everything on the open. Yeah, it's going to be authentic. I remember something that Solomon put back you know, this big screen you were writing, it was build something people want. <laughs> that's yeah, a that's good one. The, that's the Y Combinator motto. Yeah, we went through Y Combinator early on, you know, with that cloud and that. And again, with, with the dagger. I won't confuse people with the earlier name of dagger because that's a lot of different names. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing about YC and its influence on us, I think, is that we're engineers. So our starting point is technology and we have a strong gut feeling for what is good technology, what is important technology, you know, and what is technology that you can, that can do completely new things, but in kind of a vague sense. And then you got to connect it to a sense of product, right? To connect it to one specific problem for one specific group of people and then solve that. And then maybe solve a slightly bigger problem for a slightly bigger group of people and then keep going. Personally, that's what YC did for me, they just sort of, they gave me a new frame, you know, and again, as a team, they gave us this frame, I think. I mean, we were better at it the second time, but still it's useful, you know. And the way way you figure out what people want is you just talk to them (laughs) and you listen, which is what we spent almost a year doing. Yeah, and I think shipping it is such an important ingredient. You have to keep showing them and asking it, is this what you meant? Is this what you want? Is it still what you want? Do you want something else? And the more often you do that, it, while it's an essential ingredient, it's working with everything else that happens before and after that. Because just like a point, a very small point in time, same thing as launching it. Getting to launch is such an important moment, but it's just like a small blip on the big time horizon. Essential, but tiny. Yeah, and it started like a long time before launching. Like this secret sauce, like we started very early on to have, you know, all the product these design questions like in the open we try also to to inform like new team members every time like hey no you shouldn't have the discussion in team private channel like this should be public and steering everyone into public discussion and public github discussion and i think that really helps like with the launch you were asking like what's the secret so like there's already people contributing and stuff like that it's because we didn't start you know last week 
it actually started like a, a long time ago to you know involve people have discussions ready having issues ready for the community to pick up so we, we put a lot of effort before the launch yeah we also decoupled it to not be a product thing right we launched as soon as we thought we were launchable all the signs were green or green enough <laughs> and so we yeah. launched it just to be kind of done with it you know we, we decoupled it from validation in the market we decoupled it from product readiness like you said it's it's uh it's just a step you go through i mean you know you get feedback from you get questions so people don't get it they'll say well i don't understand who would ever need this whatever because it's a big world and lots of little audiences right so if you're not in our audience you might not get it personally i mean i have great confidence when, when you're in that mode where you've been listening to people and shipping something in response and then listening again and shipping again like dozens and dozens of times i mean we shipped i think 60 prototypes to actual yes. people, you know, starting with very small groups of people, but then, you know, kind of snowballing for, you know, over two years, almost three years. And so everything on our website, the way we explain the problem, what we solve, et cetera, we're literally, we're not quoting people, we're paraphrasing them. They told us, this is about how I use your prototype. This is how I use your prototype. So when, when, when someone says, oh, are you sure that's the right positioning? You know, are you sure like people need this? By definition, yes. I mean, absolute confidence because literally we're, we're just conveying the words of our users telling us, you know, they're almost dictating <laughs> what we write. So it gives us great confidence because it's not just from our imagination, you know. So to me, it sounds like there's a lot of refinements going on all the time over a long period of time. And if you don't enjoy it, you can't fake it. This needs to be sustained and you really need to believe in what you're building with whom you're building with, because otherwise you will not be able to sustain it long-term, which is a requirement to be able to get there, whatever there means, by the way. What's up, shippers? This episode is brought to you by our friends at Raygun. Raygun gives you instant visibility into the health of your software, get actionable real-time insights into the quality and the performance of your web and mobile apps. Raygun delivers modern tooling for customer-centric teams, error monitoring and crash reporting, ship better quality software faster, get code-level insights into the health of your application in real-time, and start fixing the errors impacting your end-user's experience. You get real user monitoring, quickly identify and resolve front-end performance issues impacting real users in real-time, understand exactly how your application performed for every user session and page load. And of course, application performance monitoring gain unrivaled visibility into server-side performance, unlock detailed code-level insights into the root cause of performance issues so you can take action and deliver lightning-fast digital experiences. The next step is to head to raygun.com and start your free 14-day trial, no credit card required. Join thousands of customer-centric software teams who use Raygun every single day. Again, raygun.com. Why do you think that the world needs Dagger? And I would love to hear what Eric has to say about it. <laughs> it's very simple. I think when Docker was introduced, people didn't know much about you know, containers. And uh, it was the same for me. And, and now, when I try to explain Dagger to uh, the people that are not technical, same as me, then uh, I, I found a way to explain it. What it does, very simple, and people get it just right away. Mm -hmm. So just for that, they understand the problem on what we are trying to solve. So that's why I think you know, it's absolutely essential that you can, you know, in one sentence, describe what Dagger does and then people, whomever they are, uh, they can get it. I think we're ready to hear it, Eric. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, I'll describe it this way with my own words, obviously. So when we have uh, software people developing what they call program, you know, and when they want to send those programs for everyone to be able to use it. So, for example, send them to the cloud. It's called deploying. Then they have a different way to make that happen, which is very complicated from one company to another. And then, you know, it's like a different steps they need to follow to make that happen. Okay, it's like 
climbing a ladder, but there is several different ladders. So, well, Dagger solved this problem by, you know, from the developer to the cloud, it gives the way to uh, ship your program directly to the cloud in uh, just one single step that you can replicate anywhere on whichever cloud you want. That is a very essential explanation, which I think the majority would just get straight away. It's really complicated, and even though maybe you don't feel the pain because you don't deal with application deployments or code deployments, we all know that it's hard stuff, like instinctively, because of how many clouds there are, of how many ways there are of doing this, and everyone does it differently. Do they have to? Do they really have to do it differently? And some say, of course we do, because our environment is different. But what if we standardized those things, just as we standardized containers, like, you know, the code that you used to SSH into things and do things or build VM images. I mean, people didn't, they couldn't even imagine what the world with containers would look like. And here we are today. So I think the same is happening with Dagger. Andrea, I know that you're ready. No, that, that was a great explanation, actually. I would totally watch like a YouTube channel with Eric, you know, explaining <laughs> container technology. To all the VCs and everyone that wants to invest. <laughs> I can totally see that. <laughs> yeah, I think Eric's explanation really captured the essence of what we're doing. It's really about everyone is doing more or less the same thing, but you know, in their own little way. And, and we've seen, we've seen that with a, a ton of company, like they start the same way. They, they start, there's just only a few people. They do a few scripts here and there to build and deploy and do that kind of stuff. And eventually, if the company continues to grow, that becomes an entire team. And now they have, you know, a ton of engineers working on the, the problem. And then it was interesting for us because talking to different companies would have seen them, you know, evolving the same way with, I guess, doing the same thing, but with a different internal product. And I think there's a lot that can be reused mm -hmm. and basically standardized. Like you don't, there's so many ways to build like a, a React application. Like you don't need like 12 different ways. Like <laughs> you could have one component and just reuse it across, you know, first of all, your repositories, but also like across your, um, you know, different projects. It's, they're doing the same thing. So, uh, and I guess I'm saying exactly what Eric said, but with, you know, a few more technical details, but I think that's the essence of it is be able to reuse components, be able to also what Docker did, like before Docker, it works on my laptop, like <laughs> it works on my laptop, but then I deploy, it doesn't work anymore. Nowadays, that problem is solved, but we have the new problem, like, hey, the test passed on my laptop, but then you open a PR on CI and then it fails. And then you push, you know, a few commits to try and fix it. And then we're trying also to give you the same experience locally and on the CI, exactly like containers did from, you know, production to laptop. So that, that's the other part. Who wants to add the next refinement to that? There's so many perspectives here and they're all valid. It's like, uh, what's that game? Is it Jenga? You remove one thing? Jenga, that's it. Keep, yeah. keep refining. No, 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 no. This, <laughs> no, this is different. <laughs> Until you contradict the first, the okay, first thing. Then we're going ah. in the wrong direction, I think. <laughs> yeah. That's the opposite of what we're building with Dagger. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I would just add that to what Andrew has said, that people working on a CI CD pipeline, either for, for just linting code all the way to deploying very complex microservices to Kubernetes. The people in charge of building this kind of pipeline are usually not equipped with anything. They, you have a lot of different tools that are very powerful on their own, but including everything together and, and making everything, you know, consistent and is usually, that consistency usually happens in Bash. <laughs> it's kind of a caricature, but not too much. And so yeah. we want that to be expressed in, in, in Dagger. At least that, that's what we, we provide with Dagger. And it can be very simple again. You know, we, we have very, some simple configurations, just uh, calling a linter or like uh, just, just examples like that, just building a binary all the way to generating um, Kubernetes manifest. And so, yeah, it's really about um, bringing tools, real development tools to DevOps people who really right now just have the feeling to just be able to do scripts and they, they, they should not just have that. Yeah, that is, that is a good one. Solomon, do you want to pull the next piece? See what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were, I mean, the comparison to containers is good because it's, it's about consistency and, Hey, it works on my machine. Why doesn't it work? Doesn't it work over there? 
but you know, like it's a different applied to a different area. Instead of applying it to the application, we're applying it to the pipelines that ship the application. And I mean, for, we're doing it because we spoke to people and they complained that it was a terrible experience. So we got, we got pulled into that. But then, you know, it made sense also, it just kind of makes sense when you look at the current state of, of the state of the art, I guess, because there's so many different ways to organize an application. Because, I mean, there's literally software for everything, right? So it's very hard to standardize everything about your application, to force people to do it all the same way. So there is, there is, there's a lot of component reuse. There's a lot of standardization, but it's very fragmented, you know, because there's so many different kinds of software. The pipelines are pipelines, you know? So the, there's sort of a degree, it's one degree removed from the application itself. So if you look at a banking software in a video game, and whatever's monitoring your robot vacuum cleaner, right? Like incredibly different software, different architecture, different languages, different everything, different people even creating different, you know, specialties, mm. but one level removed, they all need pipelines to deploy that stuff to the cloud and the pipelines, they're different, but they kind of look the same architecturally. And so that's kind of where we're focusing. It's an opportunity to standardize and just waste le- waste less time repeating yourself, and we just think there's there's you can standardize more of it because there is less of an excuse to not do it in the same way as everyone else. Whereas you know there was always an excuse to not use Docker, <laughs> you know, or use it differently. So the Docker and containers actually, you know, they ended up being a very widely adopted technology, and they still are. But it was never a hundred percent, and it never will be. Right? There's lots and lots of software that run that don't run in containers, you know? And within containers, then there's all the competing ways to to run containers. And thank God, at least we standardized the the base image, but, you know, we didn't go much further than that. You know, there's images and there's pods, and then there's, of course, all the orchestration stuff and all the... Then there's Kubernetes, and then there's all the different fragmented ways of doing Kubernetes. So it's like a fractal, you know, and it's it's only going to get worse. So there's limited reach. You can help, but you can't help through ubiquity. So in a way, the original vision of Docker in that way was not realized because it, we could not standardize as widely as we, we hoped. But with pipelines, I think I think we really can because really, like Andrea said, like how many different ways of building a, a React app do you need? You know, how many different JavaScript frameworks do you need? Yeah, a lot. Yeah, sure, that's normal. But like once you've picked one, how many different ways do you build it and integrate it into a pipeline? Hopefully not hundreds, because that's that's too many. Anyway. For me, just the way Docker changed the way we come together when it comes to bundling our software and getting it out there, I see the same principles repeating themselves with Dagger in that we get together when it comes to shipping our software. So like, it's such a fundamental act of getting it out there, literally putting it out there and see what happens, putting our software out there and see, does it work? Everyone has to do it. And we do it in so many complicated ways because while like code, okay, we had like a couple of like packages and there were like some repositories, which we had before, like package repositories. There were a couple of operating systems. I mean, the variability was was lower than what we have with pipelines today. You can literally deploy anything anywhere and it's so hard. Everyone keeps complaining about the same things. And everyone keeps, you know, repeating it. So where do we put that common knowledge? How do we share it? How do we even talk about it? Dagger is combining (laughs) this know-how of how to combine these common ways of doing things like deploying a React app or building a React app and putting it in in, in the universe that we all can share. That's so amazing. I love that. Yeah, that's the most important part, you know, because you need to be able to reuse someone else's work and also reuse your own work from last month. And until you have that, then fragmentation will continue. I mean, that's that's where, you know, containers couldn't get us all the way because they're binary artifacts. So you, you don't want to reuse it, other people's binary artifacts. It's not out of composition. So you need a composition model. That's what we talk about Lego. That's the one tough engineering and design problem that we're trying to solve. We think we're, we're solving it, but, you know, it takes a lot of work. It's binary. Either we solve it, we really solve it, and the DevOps community looks at this and says, wow, yeah, I can actually encode my expertise into this software component. And then 
someone else can use it and vice versa. It's actually true for everything I'm doing, well, almost everything, or it's not true because the design doesn't work. And then it goes in the pile of all the other attempts, you know, which there are many, uh, but that's, I think that's, that's the fundamental challenge for us. I'm wondering how has your opinion of Dagger changed since let's take October when we recorded episode 23. So, and this is a question for all of you in the last, I said, what, five months, six months? Has something changed the way you think about Dagger based on all the feedback that we've had, based on all the refinements, based on everything that we've learned in the last six months? There was this major, I mean, major, based on, you know, everything we did before October, I think was very iterative. I mean, well, except not for a while, because before that, as Solomon said, we had 60 prototypes. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was iterative, but, you know, a lot of rewrites, a lot of tests, a lot of experiments. But then I think in October, we reached the point where we thought, we were close to the to launching, but we got like very a lot of feedback from the the community about the I would describe it like the ergonomy to write a dagger plan. Like there was there was something whether we had too many concepts or it was not very very intuitive to start or to understand what dagger was doing. So we had this this Europa project that Richard Jones, a member of, of the, the team led with the community also, and, and everyone was involved in, you know, uh, d discussing that. So I think at some point, yeah, we realized that we needed, th this design was so good and so, so, so big of an improvement for, for the developer experience that we thought, okay, it justifies just launching, launching at some point, yes, but launching not before this, this thing is ready. And so that, that I think drove the, 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 the launch date in some way. Uh, in some way, because of, obviously there is everything else. But. Yeah, without that, we were not launchable. I remember trying Dagger very soon after October and thinking, hmm, could this be a makefile alternative? And it wasn't. But what it was, it was the CI CD that can run locally and I could migrate, we could migrate the whole changelog CI from Circle CI to GitHub Actions. So we definitely validated that that works. But you're right, when it comes to the interface, it was like this very difficult to understand thing of what it can do. It wasn't very straightforward. Okay, so how do I approach this thing? It was like, well, you can approach it any way you want. And okay, well, that's still true today. Okay, when it comes to getting started, I need something simpler. So uh, I, I want to think that some of some of our feedback made it made it through. And then I said, okay, okay, we have to do like a proper make file alternative, which I know it is now. It really is. Which in October, I think the direction was there. Yeah, it's getting there. It's getting there. Your feedback was definitely important. I mean, I remember specifically a bunch of your questions around the container APIs. We had a bunch of different ways to, to run containers, to build containers. And there was a lot of confusion around, wait, so Dagger does things in containers so I can build and run, I can have Dagger build and run containers through BuildKit as a built-in feature. But then separately, there's Docker. We can talk to a Docker engine and do Docker run. And that's a very common use case. But that's completely different, but also kind of the same. <laughs> and yes. then there's a, a, an additional kind of semi-official API on top that was there because the, the basic one was kind of, it had rough edges, but that was like, you had a third thing that you had to kind of grok. I remember you had questions about that. And that, that, was, that was definitely that uh, influence because you were not the only one. That's the thing. You get yes, feedback. Exactly. And then two other people give feedback and then you start thinking, okay, there's a pattern, you know, it's confusing. In October, it was definitely raw. Like, uh, how do I structure this? Well, any way you like. <laughs> or how do X? Well, like, pick your choice, which was extremely powerful, but too much of a choice. Like, it's, you know, you had to, to make too many decisions. And I think since then, it's more opinionated. Yet you can still do the, exactly the same things, but at least it gives you some structure to, to begin with. Like, uh, you know, here's a blueprint that you kind of need to follow, but then, you know, you can break out of the blueprint and just, you know, put some code on the side. But at first, at least it gives you some guidance, you know, like the landing lights, basically. <laughs> that is an artifact of our very specific way of the design process and the discovery process. So the early days of creating the product, there's different ways to do it. <laughs> and there's one way that's 99% of the times the correct way. And that's the one we're not doing. 
<laughs> okay. And then there's the way that's 99% of the time really stupid, and that's when we're doing. <laughs> but it's also the one we did with Docker, and it worked really well. So that's why we're doing it again. You know, it's basically, I mean, Dagger is two things, right? It's a, it's a tool, but it's also an engine. And the engine is kind of inside, and it, it has these all these capabilities. And then around it is a tool. And if you notice, all the stuff we just talked about, oh, this API was confusing. We had this, oh, the, it was Dagger up, now it's Dagger do. Oh, we have this concept of inputs that are now, that's not different because it was confusing. All of that stuff is the tool, right? So it's kind of the wrapper around the engine. And so there's two approaches, right? Either you start from the tool and then you iterate and you basically almost fake it. You know, the, there's almost no engine or it's like a really basic made up engine that does the bare minimum. And then you validate the need, you validate the right UX, and then only then you ship the absolute bare minimum tool. You're investing too much in the engine in the back end, and probably you're going to throw it all away because you don't really know what's needed, right? And then over time, you gain more confidence and you re-engineer, you scale, et cetera. That's the, the normal, correct, proper, common sense way of <laughs> building a product. And then there's the other way, which is that you're actually inventing a new engine and you just kind of go in a leap of faith that that engine is just so much better in some way than what existed before that you just have this unstoppable gut feeling that, okay, this engine needs to exist and there's a thousand different tools that can be built on it. And we're not sure which one, but we'll figure it out. And so you start from the engine and then basically you just take the analogy of a car, you invent the new car engine that just blows away everything else. And then you just kind of slap together a shitty car around it. And then they go inside and it, you know, it goes from zero to a thousand miles an hour or it flies or something, but there's, there's no doors, <laughs> you know? So like, I'm very confused by your dashboard design, but wow, I'm flying. <laughs> you know? So you say, okay, good. You're flying. Good. Okay. Yeah. Don't worry about the dashboard for now. You know? So that's kind of our approach, but it's very dangerous because it's a leap of faith that your engine actually does something better. So it relies, you know, on your understanding of, what people want, like, do people want to fly? You know, I hope so, because that's that's what our engine does. And so teleport, please teleport, teleport yeah, right. me. <laughs> that's what Docker was. You know, it was about containers. Wow, you can really do a lot of cool stuff with that. And then that started in like 2008. And then we had so many versions. And eventually it became a PaaS, like a Heroku competitor. And then we pivoted away again from, oh, let's open source. Because just Let's just open source the engine and like figure out a new tool, like invent a new car. So we're, we're just doing that, but in, but we're used to it now. So we just did it faster instead of five years, I guess it only took three. <laughs> <laughs> That's a huge improvement, by the way. And I do have to say, this is the thing that the majority misses. And I think Eric has something to do with it. So the moment Eric showed me how the company finances run on Dagger, there's a pipeline for company finances, I was blown away. By the way, this doesn't exist. What? <laughs> However, exactly. <laughs> so no, 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 seriously. Not yet. Exactly, not yet. So so that is the leap of faith that you have to take, that this these pipelines are more than just about shipping code, are more just about shipping software. And I had a glimpse when I've seen you, Solomon, build the company objectives in oh. queue and generate them <laughs> in a bunch of formats. Because... Are you telling me that now I'm able to join my documentation with my automation? And I think there's something there. There's something that I so want to explore that shows you your entire automation in whichever format you want. And by the way, the, the documentation is built in and that just blows my mind. The fact that that is possible, it just blows my mind. Yeah, I think people get, are confused. It just takes some calibration because usually at this phase, after three years of prototyping, you should not be making last minute rewrites of the whole UI. And some things should not be this rough in the interface. And you should have some doors, right? After three years, where are the doors, Solomon? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, we just, we just changed. You know, oh, we're doing doors that go like this now. <laughs> you know, we're launching tomorrow. <laughs> you know, but, but, then, but then the engine is, I mean, I'm not going to say it's perfect, but it's way more mature because we've kept it, you know, through all these different iterations. Actually, as usual, Andres prototype one. <laughs> so, I mean, the engine is basically an evolution of Andres, like one of the early prototypes. Uh, you remember that, Sam? <laughs> we're like, Sam and I were like, oh, what about this? Blah, blah, blah. 
hey, what about that? Pluff up. And then Jurassic said, oh, look. Wait, <laughs> 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 like, oh, yeah, okay, let's use that one. <laughs> That's exactly what I imagined you did. <laughs> okay. That must have been an amazing night. <laughs> oh, it runs a nuclear power. Oh, that's pretty nice. <laughs> oh, when, when did you work on Stalin? Oh, nothing. <laughs> I just went on a podcast and I had great fun. <laughs> I'm just curious to hear the noise that, you know, makes Dagger, since we know the Docker one, but not Dagger. So it's... Then the next 30 prototypes were built on top of that. I think it was called Envelope. Wasn't it Envelope? The... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> there were so many names. Every prototype had a, had a code name. It, it had to not mean anything. I mean, you know, it, because otherwise you can't pick all the good names for the prototype because then you don't want to throw it away because it's such a good name and it's taken now. So we had just the stupidest names. Yeah, except one prototype was named Dagger. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What happened with that prototype? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> Okay, let's let's just not change the name. It's okay. It works. <laughs> I broke the Jenga. Sorry. <laughs> One too many. <laughs> I'm sure it fell. I can hear it. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, I guess I guess we did have one called Dagger. Yeah, there were so many. I, I'm telling you, it's 60. I like envelope. More than 60. <laughs> can we change it? <laughs> Envelope sounds great. Envelope, for a while, I mean, we shipped, you know, a real, our first real alpha build of a product was from one of those prototypes and we showed a demo and then we had actual users. We, you know, we had a whole year of that, I think. And and that was not built on Q and it was not built on BuildKit. It was an in-house execution engine that was sort of like a BuildKit equivalent, again, prototype by Andrea. And we used HCL instead of Q. Uh, it turns out HCL, you can't really drop in HCL the way you drop in Q. You have, it's kind of like a... HashiCorp configuration language. Right. HCL, HashiCorp, okay. Yeah, and it's different because it's, it's very tied to one tool. It's very tied to Terraform. And so if you take, there is a open source HCL repository, but if you take, it doesn't work out of the box at all. You kind of have, every flavor of HCL is different. So we had kind of our own, it was just DCL, I guess. Yeah, DCL. It wasn't HCL a fork of UCL or a reimplement. I mean, it's a reimplementation of reimplementation of a reimplementation. It may as well have been tracing back to Marcel. Yeah, the one of the co-creators or the creator of Q. Creator is it Q. co-creator or creator? Okay, I think it was just him for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Fire Hydrant. Fire Hydrant is the reliability platform for every developer. Incidents impact everyone, not just SREs. Fire Hydrant gives teams the tools to maintain service catalogs, respond to incidents, communicate through status pages, and learn with retrospectives. What would normally be manual, error-prone tasks across the entire spectrum of responding to an incident, this can all be automated in every way with Fire Hydrant. Fire Hydrant gives you incident tooling to manage incidents of any type with any severity with consistency. You can declare and mitigate incidents all inside Slack. Service catalogs allow service owners to improve operational maturity and document all your deploys in your service catalog. Incident analytics light extract meaningful insights about your reliability over any facet of your incident or the people who respond to them. And at the heart of it all, incident run books, they let you create custom automation rules to convert manual tasks into automated, reliable, repeatable sequences that run when you want. Create Slack channels, Jira tickets, Zoom bridges instantly after declaring an incident. Now your processes can be consistent and automatic. Try Fire Hydrant free for 14 days. Get access to every feature, no credit card required. Get started at firehydrant.io. Again, firehydrant.io. And also by our friends at MongoDB, the makers of MongoDB Atlas, the multi-cloud application data platform. MongoDB Atlas provides an integrated suite of data services centered around a cloud database designed to accelerate and simplify how you build with data. Ditch the columns, the rows, once and for all, and switch to the database loved by millions of developers for its intuitive document data model and query API that maps to how you think and code. 
when you're ready to launch atlas automatically layers on production grade resilience performance and security features so you can confidently scale your app from sandbox to customer facing application as a truly multi-cloud database atlas enables you to deploy your data across multiple regions on aws Azure and Google Cloud simultaneously. You heard that right. You can distribute your data across multiple cloud providers at the same time with a click of a button. And the next step is try it today for free. They have a free forever tier, so you can prove to yourself and to your team that the platform has everything you need. Head to mongodb.com slash changelog. Again, mongodb.com slash changelog. So one thing which really strikes me is how far in the future some of us are when it comes to Dagger. And from that future, we came back into the present and we're building the future. Literally, that's what's happening. And the best way of inventing the future is by building it. Someone said it, doesn't matter who, but the saying is important. And I think this is what the majority is missing, just how advanced this, this tool is and the trajectory which is going on and what the possibilities that it will unlock, which was one of the things which made me really excited, as well as the people. I think that has something to do with it. It is a good team. <laughs> These crazy, crazy people <laughs> that we have so much fun with, and it doesn't feel like work, and it's just crazy. I still like, it feels like I'm dreaming. And that's how it started in the first place, right? Like the not feeling like a job, that, that's, that's how it started before the prototypes. The first thing, yeah. I think that's the secret sauce. I really do. You can't fake this. Like the all the interactions, all the individuals and how we come together, you, there's no way you can fake that. And that attracts everything else. The crazy ideas, having the courage to try things out and see if they work, and if they don't, throw them away, it's okay. That experimentation, that courage to, to build an engine that no one has built before. They don't even know that it's an engine. And all they see is they, it doesn't have doors. That's what they get hung up on. Whereas the docks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's like a huge, huge, yeah, okay. They're, they're that's, right that's, there. Oh, you mean you mean docs, that, docs for this version? Oh. <laughs> yeah. There's so much there. We could do an episode just on that. <laughs> the docs that we didn't write and These why we didn't write them. These are docs for helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> but look, it's a convertible. <laughs> so we talked quite a bit about this engine. And I'm wondering, Andrea, if you were to describe this engine from an engineering, software, technical perspective, how would you describe it? Good question. It's hard to describe in a, in a few sentences, but the, the core idea is like, how can we work with DAGs? Like typical pipelines are actually, you know, step by step, like do X, wait a little bit, then do Y and then continue like that. And here we were trying to, uh, first of all, like leverage uh, Bilkit, which is like this amazing understated project that powers Docker Build. And it's Docker Build uses maybe like 5% at most of like what Bilkit can do. And so we wanted to to leverage Bilkit as much as possible. And also like on the, on the other hand, like how can we express pipelines, but as a graph? And that doesn't make your brain explode because, you know, brains are not meant to... That's an optional paid feature. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Spoiler, it's not YAML. <laughs> and if you don't see YAML, that's okay. It's by design. <laughs> it's not missing. <laughs> that's the airbags, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the, the engine makes it possible, like, to, on, on one end, like, the, I guess, user-facing side, like how do you express a DAG with dependencies without actually having to explicitly put my dependencies, like analyze like what's going on and figure out like the order of execution too, like on the back end, how can we ship this to basically bilk it and mm. make sure that, you know, if stuff was already executed, like don't do it again. And if it was already executed, but with different arguments and do it again and handle the caching and all that stuff. So that's what most of the engine does. There's the front end, like user facing and the back end, like mm -hmm. container facing. And it just tries to mash the two together in a 
way that kind of makes sense. And is BuildKit the engine? Everyone has an engine, I guess. Like Dagger is an engine and BuildKit is our engine, but Continuity is BuildKit's engine. But Runcy, <laughs> Runcy is Continuity's engine. And then there's this lib container somewhere and then you have C groups and, but then there's the kernel. So I guess like <laughs> everyone's got an engine at some point. I see, I see, I see. I think of BuildKit as a VM. A VM in the machine sense, you know, it's a new kind of programmable machine and we're building an operating system for it, you know, that, that, or that includes it. I don't know exactly, but yeah, if you talk only about long-term, you know, so ignore for a second, the, our focus today on specific problems for specific people to solve that problem, deployment is painful, DevOps engineers reinvent the wheel, all of that. That's kind of an opportunity to build an engine that solves the problem better. And then we have this engine and we have a community and a product and we have sort of, we're launched, we're in orbit, right? So that's going to be, I'm going to say a good year of work to finish that. But then you're in orbit and you have this community using this engine and that engine gets better and better. I think you can do a lot more with, with Dagger if you think of it as a new kind of operating system, you know, because... A lot of engineers, I think, have this feeling that the state of the art of software needs to evolve. We're all stuck with these old paradigms and interfaces, but you know, there's this gravity pull of compatibility. It's got to be POSIX. It's got to be libc. It's got to be, you know, you're kind of stuck in that world. But then there's all these distributed systems and all these incredible capabilities now that your software can't is not native to them. You know, and so the hard part is is not inventing a new operating system from scratch that's native to distributed systems and the cloud and, and all these incredibly powerful things computers can do now. The hard part is getting developers to actually write software for it, you know, because that's right. if you start from scratch and it's not compatible with anything, then no one wants to be the first to write for it. Like, And also why you, <laughs> you know, I, I can do my own platform over there. So what's interesting to me with Dagger is it's a bridge. You can actually solve a problem now using Dagger by writing software for it. And the software you're writing is a pipe, you know, it's pipelines that deploy applications, et cetera, but really it's software. And then over time you discover new uses for it because there's a lot of different kinds of software, I think that can be structured as a DAG and you have to make the efforts to structure it that way. But once you have, all of a sudden it's faster, it's more scalable, it's more secure. You're basically freed from the shackles of, of, of Unix, <laughs> basically. And you, you still get Unix compatibility because you can run Linux containers, one or two or 10 or 100. But you know, now, basically, we're taking Linux and we're making it one component into a broader platform. And you know, that's like a lot of people are doing that, but they're doing it from scratch and they're, 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 they're making a frontal assault on mainstream platforms. Oh. Stop using, uh, you know, for your next applica web application, develop it on this wonderful thing. But no one does it, right? But I think once you've developed your pipeline with Dagger, you start realizing, oh, well, in my case, oh, I could ship my, <laughs> my objectives. I can write a program that generates a PDF exactly the way I like it, which I would never do in any other platform. But I did it because it took me like 30 minutes. And it's a pipeline. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a Dagger. So I think there's just a lot more of those. You know who did that really well was uh, Amazon with with Lambda. If you look at Lambda and the release, they didn't position it as, I mean, today you have actual applications running on Lambda, right? And it's just like explosive in growth. And it's it's they're kind of powering a whole new chapter of the platform wars, right? They focus on a very specific problem, which was the little bits of glue around your regular application. Oh, I need, I need to handle, I need a, a handler for for logs, right? Or I need to fire a quick cleanup, uh, you know, data cleanup task every hour, you know, just have little bits of automation around the application. But then over time you get used to it, like, wow, this is actually really powerful. It's powerful because it has, it, it doesn't need to be compatible with everything. But over time you realize, oh, I, I have this one use case and two use cases, and then you grow, you grow, you grow. And I mentioned automation around the application. That's exactly what Dagger does, right? In a, in a different approach. So. That's the part that excites me. That's it's actually operating system work. We're just sort of taking the long way there because that's that's if we don't take the long way there, we'll get there faster, but we'll be alone. <laughs> so shortcuts are the long way, actually. Don't take shortcuts. They'll always take longer. What's hard with the long way is 
you have to accept not being taken seriously. You know, there's a lot of people that that are really interested in this ambitious big platform work, but they see the website for Dagger and they say, oh, that's you know, just a CIC tool. I don't care about that. That's not important. It's a toy, you know. That's actually good. That's focus. But if you actually are really interested and you're actually working on something much bigger from an engineering point of view, and you're very ambitious in that way, and you know what you're building would actually impress that person, you're sad that they don't see it. So you're tempted to say, no, wait, look, it's actually so much more, but it's, but you shouldn't. That is the definition of the innovator's dilemma. People don't see it until they see it. Yeah, they'll see it. They'll see it eventually. That's literally it. When it's just you, it's all in your head, but then you're a team. And then you also want to attract very talented and ambitious engineers. And talented and ambitious engineers don't want to work on toys. They want to work on something big and important. So you have to also explain, yes, we're building this thing. Yes, it's a, yeah, we just changed the door's color last week and it does look like a toy, but remember, it can fly. <laughs> you know, so it's like a mind, it's a mindset, you know. You talked about like staying on the road for a long time earlier, like sticking to it. That's back to that. I'm really glad that we dug so deep into the engine and into the vision, but I'm wondering what is the fuel equivalent for this? People, money, or something else? The fuel for the engine? What keeps driving the engine? Ideas? I'm looking at Eric and or Sam. (laughs) 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 This is the hard part, the easy part we covered. (laughs) Well, definitely, you you mentioned the the people and, and, well, people and money, it's it's, uh, it's related, right? Because, I mean, they want to join if the the project is fun and, and, but (laughs) they also need to be paid. Yeah, I mean, I would I would leave the the, the money aspect to Eric, uh, but <laughs> to talk about the team, I think it's yeah, yeah. For me, it's very very important because mm-hmm. you also mentioned ideas. Ideas come from people, right? Money doesn't bring ideas, and so yeah, definitely, I th- I think it's the people, and we talked a lot about uh, what kind of people we want to bring on board at some point because the I tell you the difficulty of that was really about. We created a culture, we bootstrapped a, a team culture together initially, just the three of us, when we started, you know, working on some prototypes and flying objects and all of that without <laughs> doors or, or, or just doors <laughs> on one side. I made a door. Did you have a flying carpet prototype? Yeah, and we had fun. To be honest, we had fun. Like we, we were like, okay, it doesn't feel like a job. It, it feels that we can see how we're going to help people. We could see, you know, where this was going to, to be at some point. Obviously, you know that we cannot get there alone, right? So at some point, we need to build a team. And, and it was stressful for many reasons. We built teams at Docker before. So we had experience just like, you know, we had so, a certain experience doing it. But we, we decided to do it exactly like prototypes. <laughs> we start again from scratch, you know, every time. It's kind of what we did with the team as well, because the, the, what we wanted was to expand this environment that we created, this culture that we created initially. We wanted to expand it to a larger group of people without showing to everyone that founders feel special because they are founders. They were there, you know, in the beginning. Like, how do you... Do you expand that so so people can join and don't feel that, oh, I'm not a founder, so I cannot, you know, participate in X, decide the color of the doors, <laughs> like whatever, you know. And so that was really what was stressful for us in the beginning. And I feel that we, I think we're doing a good good work. Like you could you could ask uh, other people from the team, uh, I think, and, and see see what they, they think. But they are clearly the fuel of the engine. That That's for sure, 100%. It's never done. It's never achieved. Uh, it's something that I think about every day and that we discuss every day as well. And it's very, 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 very important. The most important thing. Like the engine can change, you know, it can, mm-hmm. we can replace it at some point. The team will, will stay for the long run. That's very important. So, yes, if, if, if you want my take on that, when you mention, you know, the money or the people, I would say, so it's the money, the people and the culture, okay, that will make... Um, this thing works because the culture is not only uh, within the people, but you can feel it within the product also because it will resonate with people. So, you know, it's embedded in the entire dagger history. Yeah. 
actually, I feel like the interactions with the community, you know, there, there's a, there's a, there's the team and then there's the community and they're very connected. You know, one really feels like an extension of the other. And it just kind of happened that way because of how we work. But these days, what's on my mind a lot is just strengthening that. And you made me think of that, Eric, when you said it's embedded in the product. feels like it's already been done to have a product that's open source and has a great community. And you use the product and you talk about it with the community and you kind of go back and forth. And that's great. You know, we, we were part of that with Docker. Others did that too. You know, everyone's pushing the envelope. We want to push the envelope even further. We mentioned we're doing even more in the open. I mean, when you join our Discord server, it doesn't feel like you're joining a meetup, you know, or a community room. It feels like you're you're literally joining our workplace. Like that's where we work. Sure, yeah, there's a private channel where we, you know, exchange memes and whatever. But <laughs> when we talk about developing the product as a team, we do it in the open. And people are there, they listen, they participate. I feel like the next mm-hmm. step is somehow building that into the product experience itself so that there shouldn't be a dividing line between I'm interacting with the community and, oh, I'm using the product. I think it could be, the community itself should be part of the product in, in some way. And it's kind of vague what I'm saying, but... No, it does make sense. And especially when it comes to paying users and free users, there should be as little difference as possible, hopefully none, other than you just pay for Dagger because you believe in it and you want it to succeed and you want to be part of it a more inclusive way. I mean, you just literally want to be part of Dagger's success. And that's one way that you can do that. I mean, if you derive genuine value and it saves you money. Oh, you mean like donations? No, I mean like paying for it. <laughs> it's called a subscription. Yeah, yeah. No, but like, you, okay, you don't want to... Here's a double idea. Let me use my card to pay for it. <laughs> Just because you're paying shouldn't mean you're leaving the community yeah. and now you're in another group of yeah. people more serious because there's money involved, you know. Exactly. It's like exactly. team and community. Yeah. When, Like, for example, Helder. Helder is a member of the team who we met through the community. He joined and he started using it, giving us feedback really good feedback and then feature suggestions and then pull requests. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, when they joined the team, that was great. He didn't leave the community when he joined the team. It's like went even closer to the core of the community. So it has to be the same with customers. And it did not feel that way at Docker for sure. There was a big, big division, at least in the way we looked at it at Docker. If you were talking, you were either talking to someone in the community and then that went through the community people or you talk to the customers and that went through the customers people, you know, and it was almost like two different companies. And that was a big mistake because it turns out a lot of the customers, they're actually on their free time geeking out on the community side. You know, it, there's a lot of cross-pollination. And if you ignore that, you're, you're missing out the big picture. So this to me sounds like a great takeaway. And I'm wondering if there's a few others that we can share as we prepare to wrap up. What are our takeaways for Dagger users, present or future, and even maybe to our future selves. I really like that idea. We are looking to expand the team <laughs> even more. <laughs> we are, are hiring. <laughs> yeah. You will have fun. <laughs> you will have fun for sure. <laughs> Building some doors. Because <laughs> you don't have them. <laughs> That's a good one. We're big believers in incremental progress. If you try Dagger, and it was missing doors. And so you just, you figured you would stop using it. Try again in two weeks, you know, maybe you'll have a door this time. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> no, I, 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 I know. there's so many takeaways. Not not sure. But yeah, we're, we're, it's a team first and it's a product second. That's super important. So yeah, and we're still, we're still building the team. Also true. Please, Solomon, correct me if I'm wrong. I remember when I asked you, you know, what, what Dagger is about. You said, well, Eric, it's, a very, it's very simple. It's like five, four, five months ago, okay? Because I need shortcut to understand what it is about. He said, you know, with Docker, there were VM and then it lead to container. That was Docker. And for Dagger, you know, you have the scripts and then you will have the DAG and this will be Dagger. So not too sure whether it's still relevant or not, but... Uh, that's true. I remember that. Two by two. We should put that on the website. We have so many good ideas. We just forget about some of them. You know, it's inevitable. <laughs> yeah, we just have to record them somewhere. Put them down somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We fear no one. To the absolute best at humility. I think we've, we've, we've seen this play out so many times and we always wanted to be part of a team 
that uh, is genuine first and foremost, does what they believe in through and through, do what they say and vice versa, say what they do, uh, literally just be honest. There's like so many things that we manage to capture in the culture and capture in every single interaction that we have. And this is us. Like this is it. Whether you join the community call, whether you hear, you listen to this podcast, whether you open a, a pull request or an issue, it's the same approach. Doesn't matter who it comes from in the company, present or future. And that is amazing. Andrea, anything to add? No, I think, I think we covered it all. And it was super fun. Well, I'm so happy to have this pleasure as well. I mean, we get to talk quite a lot through the week, week in, week out. But this just feels special. You know, everyone at the same time, it rarely happens because, you know, there's so many things that we all attend to. This has been so much fun. I'm looking forward to another one, maybe in a year's time, maybe six months, whatever we decide. But this has been amazing. And if any listeners want to get in touch with us, we're on GitHub. Just go to GitHub Dagger. There will be links to Discord, to the website, uh, however you want, whatever works for you. And if not, that's okay. There will be a Dagger engine flying (laughs) by you before you know it. (laughs) Just a matter of time. Just give it time. And who knows, it may even take you into space, you know, because that's what we're aiming for. Thank you, everyone. This has been very, very nice. I really enjoyed it. Thank you all for joining us. Thanks, Gerhard. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Ship It. Check out our other podcasts for developers at changelog.com slash master. You can connect with like-minded developers from all over the world via changelog.com slash community. Thank you Fastly for the worldwide low latency changelog.com. Our listeners love those blazing fast MP3s. Your beats are awesome, Breakmaster Cylinder. That's it for this week. See you all next week. My last thing for today is to share that I'll be at KubeCon Valencia in person. If you're going, give us a shout. And if you want to be part of the KubeCon Ship It episodes, also reach out. You can check episodes 25 and 26 to see what I have in mind.